Welcome to episode 77 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron Lynn and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 7, The Totally Excellent Adventures of Mac and the D. And we finally got a Doctor Who reference. Finally. <laughs> oh, that was, that's all. That's, as soon as I saw that, you know, episode was off. I was happy. I can die happy now. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference Doctor Who. I would not know what the reference was, so you'll have to tell me when we get to it. But um, I think first we need to... Um, <laughs> people might have noticed that we might have skipped an episode. And... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was on me. That was my bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, um, uh, yeah, we recorded it and my microphone was way amped up and uh, I killed everybody's ears as well as the recording, so... We're going to do a brief summary, I think, in this episode, so we can kind of talk about it briefly. Shall we uh, launch right into it then, or do we have any news or anything uh, before we before we go? Well, the uh, magnificent Ms. Marvel writer, Saladin Ahmed, has a Kickstarter out. That looks so good. Yes. He is doing a graphic novel called Dragon, about a Muslim knight and a Christian nun who battled Dracula, and it's drawn by Dave Acosta. You can still contribute, get a lovely hardcover version. Just go to his Twitter. He's got links to it. Yeah, it looks really good. I'm very excited. I think we've all uh, pitched into his Kickstarter, I think, if I'm right in saying. I have not yet, but I will be. I have. Yeah, I basically put it in as well, which is good. So two out of three ain't bad. But I mean, it's like $30. So in my opinion, it's really good value. I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, so I can't wait to see that. I think it's I think it's due for actual sending out end of this year. I think if I'm right in saying. But yeah, so that looks really good. I'm really excited for that. It's really good to see uh, Saladin Ahmed kind of writing other stuff as well. I mean, his um, his Boom Studio stuff was very good uh, with Abbott. So it's really nice when he does kind of creative own stuff. Um, so yeah, go back that. It's great. Yeah, actually, it's going to be printed in early 2021. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So early 2021 can't come soon enough. It cannot. Also, um, speaking of Saladin Ahmed, it looks like Outlawed is back on track. Um, and we will be getting that event uh, probably this fall. So Excellent. Pick up both Ms. Marvel and Miles Morales Spider-Man for all your Outlawed needs. And also, who's writing Champions? E-viewing? I don't know. But we're getting them. So? Well, which is good. It means that Marvel's at least starting to release their you know backwards catalog thing that was meant to come out during COVID, but obviously didn't for the right reasons i suppose but uh yeah i mean look really looking forward to that one as well yes she's supposed to be writing champions oh thank you for confirming that excellent so i'll be adding that to my poll list too good deal so that's our uh inhuman slash comics news um we'll be back on track with the reviews i guess within the coming weeks so stay tuned everyone yep uh and then also the war of kings episodes that we we promised um we we are gonna get those back on track as well uh, I think the next episode is going to be X-Men centric. Yes. X-Men centric ones with the rise and fall of the Shi'ar empire. That's what I was looking for. And uh, Emperor Vulcan, which me and uh, Lynn have taken. So we will uh, review that in the coming weeks as well. So should we go on to a review? Well, a brief review of episode six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just to kind of go over what we what we kind of recorded last week, but didn't actually make it out. Uh, it was a bit of a, a lot happened in the last episode, uh, basically with uh, the, the Chronicoms 
ship being kind of discovered by Coulson. Uh, Coulson ends up blowing it up, which is great. And that's referenced in, in episode seven as well. Uh, Mac kills his parents. That was sad. His parents were Chronicoms. It's very much referenced in episode seven. Uh, Gemma and Enoch uh, discuss the chip in Gemma's head, in which Deke took out Enoch with a defibrillator to the head, which was, again, quite a nice, quite a fun scene. I mean, that's what we always want to see. Nathaniel Whitehall stole Quake's powers. Yeah, which is... Um, oh, yeah, we need to see uh, how we, that we, pans we, out. Yes, that was that was probably the, the most interesting part of that episode, I thought, that he actually managed to take her powers. But ultimately, they end up escaping from the... Uh, from the 70s and end up in the 80s. Well, the episode we're going to review today with the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D. Anything else you guys want to add from last episode? We did have a really great episode recorded and I'm really disappointed that you didn't get to listen to it, but Patrick Warburton's mustache. Yes. Need I say uh, more? No, you don't. But also Shotgun X. <laughs> I had mentioned that a lot in the last episode, which will pertain to this week's episode. So, uh, Yeah. I don't really have anything to say about last week's other than, yay, we still have Sousa on the Zephyr. We do. Yep. yep. Um, and he, he stays on. So I think the other thing to mention about the last uh, last week's episode was like, it returned to the whole AI versus humanity thing. You know, if you're, if you're alive, you're really alive. If you're an AI and all that kind of stuff, which is, again, it kind of goes back to the whole, uh, sci-fi trope of um, you know it was like iRobot and Isaac Asimov kind of stuff which I quite enjoyed okay so the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D or my proposed alternative title Revenge of the Shotgun Axe so at the end of the last episode <laughs> Deke and a distraught Mac are stranded in 1982 as the Zephyr unexpectedly jumped after only being there for about five minutes the episode opens with an irritated incredulous May listening to Deke's mission debrief. <laughs> so the whole episode is told in flashback. And honestly, so, so far, this was my least favorite episode until I realized what they were doing because Deke is the most prolific plagiarist in all of space time. That's why the 80s references are out of control. He can't help himself. He is ripping off every 80s movie he's ever seen as he's concocting this story. Yes. Yep. So That's great. We cut to a stereotypical 80s geek computer repair guy who is being contacted by Sybil. And she uses his loneliness against him and convinces him to build a new body for her. So we have some shades of weird science there. Back with the stranded Mac and Deke. Mac's disenchanted with time travel by now. He tells Deke the past is sacred and he abandons him. And they're apparently stuck in the 80s for a long time as we get numerous scenes of a sad Mac with a progressively scruffier beard making model cars while Deke tracks him down and tries to make several attempts to get him out of his funk. Mac's also located his younger self and his brother, who are being taken care of by his uncle, but he always stops short of contacting them, choosing instead to stare sadly at the house from across the street. My one question is, where do these guys get this money? to exist in a different time period. Because Mac obviously has a house. How did he get a house? That's what I want to know. I'm assuming it was his parents' house and he was just kind of... there we go. ...holding up. Also, maybe he has has money or access to that money or maybe he had cash on him and his cash from then was still the same as now, basically, so... Because you need, like, a social security number and stuff. Right. So I'm thinking it was maybe his parents' house and, well, Deke... Is Deke, and he just made his own money. 
Uh, Deke. <laughs> but back with the lonely nerd, he shows up with flowers for Sybil, whose new body turns out to be a chopping mall robot crossed with Johnny Five. <laughs> And, and, and Chopping he, Mall is one of the uh, uh, lovely 80s slash fics from that episode where Yo-Yo and Mac just re- like talk about terrible 80s slash fics. And the fact that they were referencing it again made it even better. And like, you know, it was great. And, and, and so extensively. Yeah. Somebody, one of the writers must love Chopping Mall. I think so. Or just really bad 80s horror movies because that's what this episode was. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. There, yeah. there was so much blood in this episode. <laughs> it was so many practical effects as well, which was obviously one of the big things about the eighties. Is they used so many practical effects. It was like, yeah, your your kind of your cheesy eighties horror movie. It was so good. Okay, so our, our computer nerd finds Sybil building herself a new friend. And he's broken hearted, but not for long because he's almost immediately gruesomely murdered by another robot. Was that the one with the drill? Literally. For yeah. Hand? The yeah. Hand? The first yeah. one was the drill. Yeah. And then the other one <laughs> had the saw blade and the gun. I'm sorry. It was so great. Anyway. Anyway, back to Mac and Deke. Deke uh, convinces Mac to leave the house and he ends up at a bar called Swayze's. Where Deke's playing with his band, the Deke Squad, blatantly plagiarizing Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. <laughs> and this is too much for May. We briefly snap out of the flashback for her to call bullshit on this story. Right? The band, of course, is the cover for his team who have taken up residence in the abandoned lighthouse, complete with a fill headroom. Even though his body was destroyed last episode, Coulson's consciousness was downloaded into the lighthouse's computer systems. Mac is less than impressed with this team and their stupid training gauntlet, and he leaves even though Deke presents him with a new and improved shotgun axe. Dun, little dun, do dun. our heroes know. <laughs> little do our heroes know that the evil Chronicom robots have invaded the lighthouse. Meanwhile, a member of Deke's team stops Mac from leaving by explaining how much Deke loves him and how Deke's been taking care of little him and his family. Mac has a change of heart and retreated to a very 80s gearing up montage. <laughs> it was very good. You, you knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. I would it have had disappointed to, there had to be a montage. If, they, if there hadn't been a montage, I would have been disappointed. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. So the, uh, the Chronicom robots begin their rampage through the lighthouse, killing the drummer first, which of course. may be a Spinal Tap reference. I hope so. I think it is. His uh, his girlfriend gets away long enough to warn the team before she's also dispatched in a shower of blood. <laughs> it wasn't that the one where like the blood just like flowed just, all the just, way just, down like, the corridor wave as well? From off screen, <laughs> like they just took a like, bucket. That's, and just <laughs> that's way too much blood for one person. <laughs> so Maybe funny. that's how they got away with it. I'm like, how did they get? away with all this blood in this episode maybe when you take it to comical levels it changes yeah yeah it was great so everyone teams up to fight the robots while little baby robot locates the time stream <laughs> that the chronicoms lost in the 70s when colson blew the lighthouse up but 
But the way the little baby robot, like, goes down the stairs. (laughs) Zigzag. That's how my dog used to do it when he was too little. (laughs) It was really funny. Anyway. Oh, shit, that was funny. I laughed. After the robots are defeated, Deke takes Mac back to visit his uncle's house with Mac's cover story being that he is the sax player in the band because the 80s. Damn straight. You you have to have a sax player. You absolutely have to. If you don't, you're not a band. Simmons and company finally find their way back to Mac and Deke 20 months after they were lost, and they all get to meet the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode concludes with the evil little robot delivering the time stream to the still alive somehow Nathaniel Malik, who's uh... accompanied by his own civil headroom. <laughs> Yes, I like I like Coulson being in a VCR the whole time on the TV. I, I I was trying to figure out if that was a another a, like a Back to the Future reference. No, oh, that's Max Headroom the... reference. Yeah, you probably don't remember Max Headroom. You're too young. No, no, <laughs> I'm 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 definitely too young. But uh, but yeah, no, because because obviously I've only I, I I keep mentioning Back to the Future as being my, my all time favorite time travel series. But uh, yeah, that's the only time I've ever seen like heads in TVs. Now you need to Google Max Headroom. I will. Because this this was just the '80s references were coming so fast; it was easy <laughs> to miss a lot of them. We have Predator, Weird Science, A Team, War Games, Max Headroom, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Doctor Who, with our exterminate screaming robots. That was. That was probably the the only reference I picked up on because after that I was just like, ah, I reference Doctor Who. Ah. So yeah, yeah evil robot shouting exterminate, brilliant. Yeah, we had short circuit, maybe some Buckaroo Banzai, seeing as how he's in a band, and a whole lot of chopping mall. <laughs> yeah, so much it was, chopping it was mall. Genuinely, it was genuinely one of the 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 best episodes I think of Agents of Shield that I've ever, or just ever. Um, and I think that's and, really you know, testament just, to the just to reiterate, a lot of people didn't like it, and they got some awkward reviews because they thought they were overdoing the references. But if I you mean, yeah, see it as a deep story, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's also just the fact that Deke is is you know he rips off a load of the stuff from the eighties. I mean, if that's really what happened, obviously, but uh, you know he goes and rips off a load of music and that kind of stuff, and and Mac again calls him out on it, but. Um, so what I really enjoyed was the fact that Mac and Deke's friendship was finally cemented in this episode. It was finally, Mac finally said, Deke, you are my friend. That's what friends do for each other. It was sweet. And yeah, it was really sweet. And um, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I think it's again, one of those 80s tropes that they're always there. I mean, I say 80s trope, it's just a general trope. But uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, I I liked it too. I think I think Deke Mac kind of saw Deke as kind of like a little bit of a pain in the ass. Um, but Deke, I mean, is, he is. Well, he <laughs> is, but Deke, but Deke, Deke's a pain in the ass. But he's got a good heart. Actually, Lynn and I were talking about this earlier. How he has this like innocence about him. That yeah, naivety. <laughs> yeah, he sells coke, but I've never seen him drink any. Oh. <laughs> That that like oh, so, so I watched this maybe like I watched I it about it. midnight last night and and obviously everybody else who lives in my house was asleep at that point and 
I just I I just cracked up. I I just laughed so yeah. loud. Yeah. It was just oh that was so good. That was yeah. so good. It was And I... then it's naivety with the um with the with the Russian lady as well cuz he was like always trying he was trying to hit on her and stuff and then it turns <laughs> out that the Russian lady isn't even into guys. So <laughs> She was kind of like a frightening badass, but I think she wound. Did she wind yeah, up dying? I think, I no, think no, she was okay she was, in the end. She was one okay, of the best bits. Yeah, she got shot a couple of times, but yeah, the the Deke Squad all survived except yeah. for the drummer. Yeah, a- well, apart for the drummer. <laughs> uh, that's what you get for being the drummer in an eighties movie. That's that's very yes. true. Yeah. But I mean, where do we where do we think it's going to lead from here? I mean, where where do we think the story is going to go? By this point, I mean, obviously, um, what's his name is going to be a big part of it. Gideon Malik? No, not Gideon Malik. The other Malik. Nathaniel. Nathaniel Malik. Nathaniel Malik. And also, I haven't seen the preview for next week's episode, so I can't really say. I never see the previews because. Uh... What is with you two? Neither <laughs> of you watched the previews for the following episode. I haven't watched it yet, but I would like to because I like to have some semblance of what is going on in the next episode if i don't have some sort of idea of what is going to happen i can't watch it i have to i like i can't then i just shut down like i can't do it embrace the chaos saren no (laughs) i will not embrace the chaos i need to have some sort of idea what is going to happen when before i go in so if i don't see the preview between now and next week i'm not going to watch the episode because i won't be able to handle it i have to watch the preview i can't go in cold i think i think for me um it's just like we we do an awful lot of speculation in this in this uh, in this podcast, so it's kind of like I think we kind of get what's going to come next. See, I'm really bad at that. I can't get what's going to come next. I have to see something. Like I'm not good at that. Like I can't, I can't speculate that. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, they have the team. So are we going to get a flashback of like the only thing I can say is based off previous episodes, we may be getting a flashback episode of what the team was up to while they were looking for Deacon Mac. But I, I wonder if it was just one instantaneous time jump. I think it was much a much shorter period of time for them than for Mac yeah. and Deke. I think it was like weeks for them and months for the other guys. Well, yeah, nearly years. Yeah. Nearly multiple years. Yeah, uh, almost two years. One point seven five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was afraid it was going to be a lot longer. At least it wasn't the forty years poor Enoch was stranded. Exactly. At least they had kind of a taste of what Enoch had to go through because, um, I mean, Mac. I, I guess for Mac it was a bit different because he's basically been mourning his parents and he. Mm-hmm hasn't had any friends around him to kind of help him mourn, I guess is the way of saying it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really did like this episode. Yeah. Um, so many eighties references, so many. It was, it was wonderful. Deke has ruined so many musicians careers. Right. Did he, re- I think they referenced <laughs> the Bengals walk like an Egyptian at one point. Yes. And then there are yep. a couple other songs yeah. in there. Well, uh, yeah, the they, they, there was a couple was of others on that... point. Oh, so much synth, so much synth. It was so good, right? It's like, like, <laughs> like, yeah. If you put synth decade. in any kind of, I, 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 I was definitely born in the wrong decade. <laughs> oh my god! I, 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 I love this episode so much. It's, it's... 
you know, when they're when they're walking towards the house at the end and they're discussing the instrument that Mac's going to play, I, the whole time I'm just going saxophone. He plays the saxophone, saxophone. <laughs> just say it, saxophone. <laughs> saxophone. Yeah. Songs yeah. <laughs> today don't have enough it- awesome saxophone solos. This is true. It's it's really funny because because one of my one of my favorite bands is uh, is Dream Theater, and um, on their kind of I I say their first album it was like their first successful album which was Images and Words. <clears throat> they actually have a saxophone on there, and it's <laughs> it's it's one of the best songs on the album. Let's be honest, it's uh, it's really good. Yeah, but I mean they're they're like a, a band of the eighties as well, even mm-hmm. though it came out in nineteen ninety two. What do we think of this week's title card when you opened Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It was all... <laughs> Again, more references. <laughs> like... Yes. It was so 80s. It was so like 80s. the whole neon light. It was so good. Yeah. So, yeah. what are we giving this episode in Koenigs? I was so sad we didn't have any Koenigs. I- I- I'm really disappointed, <laughs> but we still might be in the 80s next episode. I hope so. Yeah, because obviously if there's a 20 month time jump, then... Uh... I, I'm hoping we kind of see what Nathaniel's been up to. Right, and they um, also yeah. said yeah, no at the Koenigs. end that they had 27 days to to find Mac and Deke, and they found them yeah. pretty quick. So there is a chance that it's still going to be in the 80s, because they've got 27 days. That gives them quite a bit of time to do whatever, the, you know, put any kinks in the Chronicom's plans. <laughs> Excellent. I hope Mac keeps the headband. Oh, my God. I want- absolutely needs to. I want to see Sousa's opinion of 80s fashions. Yes. Because that was a dark time. Oh, no. The 80s yeah. fashions are fantastic. Are you kidding? The leg warmers? Or is that My 70s? God. Deke's band I outfit. I remember when I was a kid, I had leg warmers. I totally had leg warmers when I was like five <laughs> years old. Was double denim a thing in the 80s? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Or was that? A, uh, yeah. I can't wait I... for double denim. No. <laughs> Double denim. It's gonna be. So That's like good. the worst fashion trend ever. <laughs> it's fantastic. A Deke with his headband and his wristbands and the neckerchief. Oh, it was perfect. And, and the eyeliner. If there's one thing you can say about Deke is that he's adaptable. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Oh my god! It doesn't matter what what decade you put him in. He like blends right in. Like, well, sort of like right away. Yeah, I was gonna say him. Him in this episode was like just all the different styles that he managed to pull off in like forty-five minutes was insane. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I love. Uh, he did like the traditional kind of like um, I'm guessing kind of like almost glam rock sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and with then the he mascara. Kind of did the whole... Yes. Yeah, and then he did like the suave kind of, uh, I guess the kind of secret agent look that was like quite popular in the eighties. Um, yeah, he. <laughs> He managed to do it all. And again, the costume designers on this episode are brilliant. They just managed to pull off every single time period. And uh, but the, the only thing is, so what I was thinking is that we are now episode seven. The episode that's going to come out on the day of this podcast episode going live is going to be episode eight, which leaves five episodes, well, six episodes. So are we going to have 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s? Do you, do you I think we'll have to see. Yeah. And also, I just uh, Googled the next episode because I had to. It looks like we're getting Daisy's mother back. So if you remember Ooh. early, like season two or three, when. Uh, yeah, or season two. 
yeah, where Daisy got her uh, Inhumans powers. She's a uh, she's quite a scary character. Her mom, uh, you don't you don't really mess with her mom. So, uh, well, you don't yeah. mess with her dad either. To be fair, but... no, that's true. <laughs> but we're gonna get we're gonna get her mom, and uh, yeah. So uh, be ready for that, guys. That's gonna be good. I, I do, a, I do love the fact that they are bringing out all of the references to previous previous episodes and previous seasons as well. Oh, absolutely! That yeah. is amazing. I hope, I really want to. I hope they don't forget about Mockingbird. I hope we get some sort of reference to Adrian Palicki's character because it's because of her that I even love Mockingbird. So I really, I really hope we at least get even a cameo. I would love a cameo of Mockingbird because she was one of my favorites. I'm so sad that they wrote her off the show and then she never came back because they didn't go forward with the solo series for her and that really bummed me out so hopefully i still think that their that their final episode was one of the best most well done episodes of agents of shield oh god yeah i cried like a baby spies goodbye <laughs> is the episode that episode yeah. was so so good um, and if you haven't seen it you should go back and watch it and, and have tissues because that last 10 minutes you will be bawling your eyes out. But anyway, yeah. speaking of really great episodes, did we give this one Koenigs yet? Because we were starting to, and then we got distracted. <laughs> we we didn't, but I'm I'm I think this one for me is um a bare minimum. It's a four out of five Koenigs. I think it's one of those episodes where it's a bit of filler, but it's fun filler. So four out of five for me. Yeah, I think I'd go with a four out of five. I was gonna say four point five out of five. Um. I have to admit, even though it was cheesy fake blood, it was a little too much blood for me anyway. So I thought that kind of, it was funny, but at the same time, I was like, that's a little too much. Because <laughs> I was <laughs> and a baby. So, oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I was okay with the blood because it was so, like, I, I, I struggle with blood as well. I mean, I'm not going to faint on sight or anything like that, but I do struggle with a bit of blood. Um but uh, that episode was so, for me, it was so obviously fake. It didn't really do much for me. So <laughs> other than the fact it was just hilarious. It still got to me. I mean, it was funny, but it still got to me when it actually happened. And I was like, oh, but then I would laugh. <clears throat> yeah. Especially yeah. The, the, the one where it was clearly like they were just dumping a bucket of fake blood down the hallway. That was, <laughs> was kind of funny. But yeah. So the fake blood scene in uh, Agents of Shield uh, basically reminded me of a uh, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is I think it's like season six. I, um, I didn't think guys. it was that kind of show. <laughs> it's not. That's the thing. <laughs> but basically, this guy uh, goes on like a, a date with a woman, and um, I, I can't remember the context of the episode because it was basically halfway through when I got there. And the idea was he was going to cough and cough up some blood. So what he would, what he did is he ate some um, blood capsules. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but he ate like a whole bag of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you can imagine what happened after that. And it was like, it's it's one of the greatest pieces of television I have watched this week. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, there was, a, there was Just... something else that was, they were, it was like, it was like on the set of one of the Marvel movies. Or no, it was Daredevil. Charlie Cox told a similar story in season two of Daredevil when he and John Bernthal were beating the shit out of each other. And uh, they, <laughs> they were trying to see who could spit up the most blood. 
and they got into this contest and it got to the point where it was looking so cheesy that like the director was like all right you guys stop with the fake blood it, it's too much now it's comical and people are gonna laugh and it's not supposed to be the point of this scene <laughs> so yeah i guess that seems to be seems to be a thing it was pretty funny though i mean i mean it's all it, it's always sunny is is definitely a comedy show but it was just the first thing that came to mind when there was like just fake blood everywhere other than the fact it was an obvious 80s trope but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's tickled me now i'm gonna i'm gonna keep giggling for the rest of this episode but uh, so you guys got any more thoughts on the episode anything they did good anything they did bad i just loved other it other than the fact the robots other than the the the, the, the robots were great but other than the uh the the money issue that Lynn has <laughs> and the lack of Koenig yeah the lack of Koenig um <laughs> and and I I'm still going to head canon that that was probably his parents house and that since nobody was living there I... and you know it was probably like recently after their deaths or whatever that he just crashed there that's my I think that makes that definitely makes the most sense but I think um I think what's what could be interesting is how they play this when they end up getting back to the future yeah, um, if they play it. Did pun, you notice the intended. first car that um, Mac put together was a 67 Corvette? Yep. What, Lola? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's very good at that. Uh, I, that's actually quite a nice little internal reference, I think. And I like, again, I like how they, they're, they're getting to the point where they just reference themselves. So... <laughs> That's really good. I mean, obviously, he's just like, he's probably missing his friends and he just wants to have it to remind him of him, but that was really good. I agree. And I'm glad Mac and Yo-Yo are, like, reunited. I like them. And Yo-Yo yeah. does not get enough love. He's a character that's a badass that needs more love. I love Yo-Yo. <laughs> Although, I, I, I do want to see how, now that Deke has wormed his way into the life of young Mac and his family, how he's going to explain his absence when they jump back to another time. Oh, that's going to be a good question. It's going to give little Mac abandonment issues. Oh, mm, that's a good question. See, so, so that that is a really good point because because they're now but making maybe... waves. I mean, it's it's obvious that these waves are going to come back and and bite them on the ass. Like you've got um, you've got Malik, you've got Mac, basically potentially having abandonment issues, especially after losing his parents and having this guy that like supports them and stuff. Um, you know the other the other comment about the Mac made was, um, "Oh, that car is in a lot better shape than I remember it being in," and obviously that was because of because of Deke. Yeah, so right. is there going to be a suggestion that after this, um, that, that you know the car's going to break down or they're going to not have as much support and that kind of stuff? So, or is, is... Deke going to leave them like like because again, money. well, right, all his money and also. You know, if they're they when Gemma says they have twenty seven days, I have a feeling that maybe they're still going to be in nineteen eighty two next week, and that maybe that gives Deke time to set it up and be like, "Look, I gotta go. Here's your money," and he leaves it all to the kids. That's what I think. I I hope so, and I I hope that's the way it's done. But um, I I feel like they might be setting up either Mac or um, you know, Kid Mac. Are they going to change the timeline so much that when they return? to their own time there's going to be doppelgangers of themselves um because i can't remember what i can't remember what movie it is but they end up getting back to the future and there's other versions of themselves oh, it's, it's, it's age of ultra on the comic book um story <laughs> uh, basically Wol- wolverine and sue get back to a future where there is already versions of themselves because age of ultra never happened so 
Wolverine basically kills himself, um, which is a a weird image in the comic books. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I wonder if we're going to have almost that kind of situation. Might be. Because they're seriously messing with Mac's history. Yeah. But Mac himself doesn't change. Right. Yeah, so so are they going down the route of, again, uh, we, we keep but, kind of speculating. Are they creating a new time stream? Exactly. Right. So but are they the going thing, down though, the Max, route? Mac's not changing, but it's like these things are coming to light about his past and we're uncovering Mac's past that maybe when he was little, he thought one thing growing up, but it's turned out with all these other things. Yeah, see, I... Except for I the fact of... that his parents weren't dead. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, and, and that's why I think they're doing the uh, the Avengers Endgame version of time travel now, um, which was, you know, you t- change the time stream, then you create an all-new time stream, and it's almost like they're now traveling along that time stream, but which kind of breaks away from the Endgame version. Right, but in the Endgame yeah. version, if, so long as you put it back, then nothing really changes. So... They have to, they've made this time stream, but now they have to weave that time stream back into the real one. Does that make sense? Yes. But how they do that after making such drastic changes is going to be a really interesting five or six episodes. Exactly. I I personally think it's going to be something to do with the fact that Sybil reads past timelines to create a future one, or she reads all the past timelines to create a future one. So now that um, Coulson is basically on a hard drive, I kind of wonder if he's going to do almost like what Vision did in Age of Ultron, the movie, not the comic book series, and like basically go into the internet or something or do something in early on. Um, well, they meant they alluded that he would be getting a new body. They they did. Yeah. I mean, yes, they did. But he could still have that power to do that. Yeah, exactly. I think I think now it's now it's kind of been suggested that both if Sybil he doesn't and, do it, um, Sybil will. Yeah, well, now now it's kind of established that both Sybil and Coulson can kind of exist separately to their bodies. There's no reason why they can't do all sorts of stuff without, you know, they can't do the, they can always <laughs> do the Age of Ultron stuff. Um, or I'm trying to think of another good example. I mean, there's, there's loads in, in sci-fi. Um, but yeah, hmm. looks good. Can't wait for the next few episodes. So have you guys got any book recommendations, TV recommendations, anything like that? Um, I've been hearing a lot about The Old Guard on Netflix, um, starring Charlize Theron. So it's based off the comic book by Greg Rucka, and he actually wrote the screenplay too. So I'll be watching that um, after we log out and sign off today. I'll let you know how it is next week. Excellent. Sounds good. What about you, Lynn? Well, I think I'm going to recommend my favorite 80s movie of all time, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if if we're recommending '80s movies, I'm I'm happy to recommend the uh, the Back to the Future series. I'm gonna recommend the Prince. It's of no Spy Buckaroo then. Banzai. Uh, I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. I've never seen it oh my either. God. But if we're gonna go '80s movies, then I'm recommending like The Princess Bride and Willow and Legend. I think those are all '80s movies. I yep. don't know, but I love them all. So. <laughs> If you haven't seen The Princess Bride, because I just learned some people in my WoW guild have never seen The Princess Bride, and <laughs> I about... I don't know! How can I... anyone not have seen Princess Bride, or Buckaroo Banzai for that matter? Well, Buckaroo Banzai, I, I, I wouldn't know. I grew up with brothers, and it might have been one of those things where my dad was like, girls aren't allowed to see this thing, and I just might have not have been known about <sighs> it. I don't know. My education, even though I, I was born in the 80s, and in the early 80s at that, 
my I, I lived a very sheltered life and a lot of things I didn't see until my like teens and 20s, just so you know. Okay. It's insane. You will love it. I need to watch I'll make both sure I watch it. Jeff Goldblum's even in it. It's Who phenomenal. Framed Roger Rabbit? If you haven't seen that, although that was 1989, it was practically the 90s, but whatever. Well, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, I mean, I mean, Back to the Future 1 came out in 1985, 2 came out in 1989, 3 came out in 1990. So <laughs> technically, the you know, the two two parts of Back to the Future came out in basically the 90s. I saw three. I, I did go see my, I was allowed to see Back to the Future and I do remember all those movies. Those are good. They are. They are. But, um, you know, yeah. Back to the Future is bullshit. <laughs> it is. Yes. <laughs> because it's a movie. Of course, Scott and It's Lang. not real. <laughs> Poor Scott Lang and his heartbroken face when he realized that. Oh. I, lo- I love the fact that Back to the Future is canon in the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that is pretty great. And I have a feeling um, that that line must have been ad libbed. Like that, there's no way that that was a scripted line. I have a feeling that that Paul Rudd pulled that line out of his ass, and it worked so beautifully they kept it. Yeah, definitely. But I, I kind of feel like a lot of that scene was, especially like with. Uh, uh, with Rhodey, when he's like, "Could we just go back in time?" <laughs> Fuck that. And then, and then he just does the little like noose bit. So fucked up. But, uh, I think the other TV series I'm going to recommend is is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I I found that the episodes that I wa- watched, um, I don't think I've laughed that much in a long time. <laughs> it's accurate. There is they, they for anybody really pretty well. Yeah, but they all, I, I feel like the uh, the Jersey Shore episode. <laughs> I think you'd like that as well. Oh, God. Freaking shoebies. That's what, depending on where in New Jersey you are called, the people that come from out of state, if you're in South Jersey, the people that come from Philly to the Jersey Shore, you call them shoebies. If you live in North <laughs> Jersey, the people come from New, that come from New York to the Jersey Shore are called Bennies. But in, in, in this episode, um, there's like three apparently fairly typical uh new jersey experiences the one that's like the summer romance there's the one which is like um they they get involved with uh crack dealers and <laughs> then there's the other one where they somehow <laughs> they, <laughs> they take a dinghy out to sea and then they 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 lose sight of the shore and they get picked up by uh they get picked up by a boat um, and it, it, each of them is just equally funny. Um, oh, Jesus. But yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that. I'd never seen it before. And uh, it's, it's like 13 seasons at the moment. And it's just it's fucking hilarious. Danny DeVito's in it. Oh, Need yeah. Danny DeVito is a riot. You can't not love it. <laughs> I've heard very good things about it, even though, you know, I live in New Jersey and I'm like 40 minutes from Philly, 50 minutes from Philly, whatever. I don't watch it. I should. <laughs> You should. You really should. I think the um the episode that I sort of said to my friend, I was kind of like, you know, the only episode I've ever seen really referenced anywhere is the one where Danny DeVito climbs out of a sofa, and <laughs> and that's not even the best part of that episode. That's the thing. Like, I think there was, was one episode where they were all like, <laughs> they were all like covered in grease or something. Uh, I yeah, why. I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen that episode, but Danny DeVito goes, I just gotta be pure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a separate episode, but yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that one I yet. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's but, a good uh, show. I've heard that. I'm trying to think if there's any books I've read. Nope. 
Spider-Woman number two is out next week, though, so make sure you pick that up. So I'm going to plug it like I do all the time because I haven't mentioned it in this episode. I was going to say, we've been, recording for, we've been recording for 50 minutes at this point. I know. And... So I finally mentioned it. Spider-Woman next week. <laughs> and Strike Force Speaking and Captain Marvel Spider-Woman. 17. And all of them have Spider-Woman in them. So make sure you pick them up. Speaking of Spider-Woman, Uh-oh. I started reading. Um, it's on my desk. I started reading Secret Avengers. I love Secret Avengers. Which one? The Spider-Woman one. One with Alice Cott? Uh, is, yes. Is that the right? Re- yes. That- oh, yes. God. That series is so good. It's insane. I, I thought it, it was is, quite funny. And the fact that Modoc is in it just makes it even better. Oh. It's batshit crazy, and it is the best, best Secret Avengers ever. I love that. <laughs> and I'm so sad that like it seems to be outside canon because nobody references it anymore and it makes me sad. It is so good. Modok just steals every scene. <laughs> he does. Yeah. I was gonna say Mod- Modok is like I- I'm so happy whenever Modok appears, it's just like yeah. <laughs> And also like Maria Hill in this is I love Maria Hill in this series. Like she's just like hurting cats. <laughs> so uh so the other thing I was going to mention is, um, and I keep meaning to mention it on the podcast uh, for like the last two months, but I ordered uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, um, the board game. Oh, I want to get that. Some... I heard that's going to be really good. It it it's it. The minis are amazing, other than the fact that I've just spent forty minutes trying to put together Captain Marvel because it's a pain in the fucking ass. Uh, <laughs> like. So I, I'm kind of I, I bought some uh, Warhammer 40k Space Marines to practice on, and they are a damn sight easy to put together compared to this one model. Um, so you do so have to you... paint the the minis that it comes with. They don't come pre painted. No, they're they're all they're not even pre assembled. It's just you have to assemble them, and the the bits are so small. And like I I'm I'm debating whether to go and get like a a tiny little pair of like tweezers <laughs> just to put them together. But they're like they're like thirty five mil scales, uh, thirty two mil scales. So they're tall, but like Captain Marvel is very sort of sleek. So mm. it's tall, but it's lots of small bits. Um, but uh, I'm kind of looking forward to painting it up. I've kind of done a practice run on a, a Warhammer forty k model, which uh, which you guys have seen. I've I might never. Know it looks very. It looks very good. It does look Thank very you. good. I, I look at minis and I want to do it. And then I sit there and I think, no, I would get halfway through assembling one and then I just forget about it and stop doing it. And then I would just have this game I spent a lot of money on and then I wouldn't play it because I would have to assemble everything and blah, blah, blah. Like, if I, I got it, I think I would send it up to my, I have a coworker um, whose uh, husband like uh, paints minis as a hobby. And I'm sitting there like, I will pay you to put these together and paint them for me. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you can do that and people do offer that as a service. Yeah. I might if I if I were to do it, that's probably what I would do, because I'm not artistic at all. I would paint it and screw it up or something. I'm interested in seeing your Captain Marvel because that paint job, I, I can just yeah. imagine it being so fussy because there's so many little bits on her outfit. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm worried about because I look at the back of the the mini. I've got it in front of me right now, and um, I need to put like filler and stuff in it because I've kind of just just where it's so fiddly, it's just kind of pulled away in some areas, but. Yeah, I am kind of looking at it now and I'm thinking there is a hell of a lot of detail on this. Yeah, and that's <laughs> good though. That like, I mean, it's a lot of detail, but at the same time, I don't know. I think that's probably good. Yeah, but I'm I'm really looking forward to, to painting them up and then actually playing it. Um, 
I think Spider-Man's the next model I want to put together, but I don't know whether to build them and then paint them or build them, paint them, build them, paint them. So we shall see and we shall see how that goes. Post pictures. Yes, so I'll put some pictures on the uh, on the Atalan Rising uh, podcast Twitter, I guess. Kind of share a few hobby bits and pieces. Yes, that would uh, be awesome. Uh, and on, on the subject of the Twitter, um, feel free to get a hold of us. It's at Atalan Rising 1. And our email address is theshow at atalanrising.com. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.